You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's been a long time. Too long. Too damn long. And we are glad to be back. The Kings are doing okay. Coaches are getting fired. Gabe Velarde's on fire. And for the 50th time, welcome to The Bannerman podcast. Vardy, how are you this evening? I'm great, buddy. I'm sorry. It's been too long. We got to see each other in person, obviously, but... uh holidays and such holidays and, and such travels did not allow this so i think it's been is it a month now did it we has miss? been a month yes we you know the thanksgiving times and then <laughs> the beginning of december is always a tough time for both yeah. of us but hey man two years 50 episodes that should tell you exactly how often <laughs> we've been recording but we're, we're glad to be back in your ear holes <laughs> where, where we find ourselves most comfortable <laughs> that's right <laughs> happy holidays everyone happy holidays <laughs> happy thanksgiving you know we weren't there for those of you who are hanukkahing it up i think you're i think you're well within the hanukkah times you know bannerman love all bannerman love us all. for the rest of us that's right i always kwanzaa say. you know yeah and merry christmas of course to, <laughs> to, to Go Jesus. listening yeah go jesus vardy tonight the kings played a hockey game we're recording this on Saturday evening, probably released on Sunday, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think it was, in a nutshell, you take this game, it encapsulates everything that's been going on with the team for the month that we've been off. Mm-hmm. The Kings had a 2 nothing lead, allowed four unanswered goals to Pittsburgh, tied the game late with two quick goals, and lost in overtime. If that doesn't put everything in perspective about what's been happening with the Kings, I don't know what will. Yeah. I, you know, I would say the one thing that it doesn't put in perspective is that uh, uh, it makes Jonathan Quick look a lot worse than I think he's been the last month, just based on the goals against. But I think if you watch the game at all, and especially the absurd series of saves he made in, in towards the end of the game there, um, you know that he's he's been doing quite well for the last month, um, despite there being full, four goals against tonight. Yeah, he was outstanding uh, yeah. in a couple of games. This this most recent game against Pittsburgh, he w- there was one or two where he probably should have had, but once again, when the game is on the line, he's usually there. And that save is a 10-bell save. It's a beauty. It is vintage. It is a throwback. Call it what you want to call it. It was just a beautiful save. And my favorite part about it was the reactions of everyone in the arena from that one camera angle I had. It was just sheer disbelief. Maybe there's been a better save this year, maybe, but there hasn't been a better save for Jonathan Quick this year or the LA Kings, I would say, even though Jack Campbell's had a few beauties himself. Yeah. Just, he's been zoned in the last few games. That Anaheim game, I think he he put up a beauty effort. It's, It's really shocking to me that he still doesn't have a shutout in this last little bit because I feel like he's really found a rhythm um he's just the anticipation is better the movement is better the um the rebound control especially i've noticed because i think this was something that we talked about early on in the season that we just felt like a lot of rebounds were ending up 
right on the tape of opponents or in high scoring areas, even though he would make the initial save. And some of that's on your defense, certainly. But um, it just seems like either there's no rebound now or the rebounds are ending up in the corners or, you know, safer spots. And I think that's been that's been a really, really big thing to him. And when he gets comfortable like that, man, he's such a he's such a tough goalie to beat. He really is. Yeah, I misspoke. I meant the Rangers game. He should have had the shutout. At least we know goaltending has not really been the issue. Can we I think that's, land on that? I think we've all agreed on that. Yeah. Goaltending hasn't been an issue for this team this season. I think from the beginning of the season, it's been obvious that the Kings are trying to get somewhere as a team with a structure. And I think finally they're coming together with some kind of structure. The structure, for the most part, and the way the Kings are playing, the kind of priority put on outshooting your opponent, now you're starting to see that being combined with not just goals, but also more quality shots in general. It doesn't, mm-hmm. It's not always a goal, but the, the quality of the shots have improved, I think, slowly through the course of these last 20-some-odd games. And you could tell that the team is starting to believe in what their coach is saying, and you could tell the team is starting to believe that they're not out in any game, which is great because you got to... With a young team like this, you have to ingrain that in their DNA right away that like, hey, no matter what the situation is, we're only one shot, two shots out of it, really, if you break it down. So that's been very encouraging to see. And the team's been fun to watch the last handful of games, especially just back and forth. And and the one thing about last season that was so miserable for us, other than Willie Desjardins and all this, is just you couldn't, you didn't see that compete. You didn't see that back and forth and you didn't see that entertainment value as a fan. Yeah, they just didn't seem happy, honestly. Like there was there was body language, there was quotes, there was all sorts of stuff that just like made you think that these guys are just miserable every time they're on or off the ice. And for some I don't know how to define it, but I feel like even though they're not necessarily winning every game, and a lot of times I think they're outplaying their opponent and still losing because you know, they're doing the right things, but maybe the talent isn't really there to capitalize on some of the opportunities. But I don't get that sense this season that they're unhappy or, you know, they don't believe in one another. Like they might lose a game. They might outplay a team and, and lose, or they might get completely beat up and lose. But I feel like they're just, they're just like, okay, it's one game. We'll be back on the next one. Like it, they're taking every game as cliche as it sounds one game at a time. It's completely new. It's completely blank slate. And you're seeing that because now you're, you're actually getting, I think more balanced production and contributions up and down the lineup. Kopitar was, is still the leading scorer, but he's kind of gone a little bit cold this last little bit. And Tyler to come on over the last few games. I think you're getting real good, hockey from the Lazat Wagner Kempe line, especially. And Kempe obviously was healthy scratched last time we spoke and seems to have, I mean, he's not piling up points, but I, I feel like the quality of the play, the quality of, of his decisions out there are a lot better. Maybe it's just a, the new line combinations, whatnot, but it's nice to see, man. It's nice to see. And I think as long as you're able to maintain that across a season, that's that's laying some awesome framework for where this team is going to head in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and if you're a fan who isn't worried about wins and losses, we are in that group. Yeah. That's what you want to see. At the end of the day, the result of the game, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Of course, these players and even to, to fans in the moment, it matters. Like today, 
against Pittsburgh, many people felt that the Kings should have won that game. I don't disagree with that. I think they played better than Pittsburgh. But again, it, to me, it doesn't really matter. That does, It's not what matters. Let's see the quality of play going up. Let's see the youngsters pick it up. Blake Lazat's essentially cemented himself as a full-time NHLer now, yeah. for the time being anyway. Uh, Matt Luff's come up. He scored a goal. It looked like he was relieved <laughs> to bury one against Anaheim. <laughs> And you're going to see probably more call-ups. I, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to rush or anything, but Gabe Velarde Vardy, which rhymed unintentionally. <laughs> Vardy Vardy. Is, he is now hitting his stride with the Ontario Reign, and it took all of like three games for yeah. him to, to get into a groove. He just scored the game-tying goal as we record for uh, the Ontario Reign. Yeah. That gives them four goals and at least three assists in eight games that he's played. That's what you want to see. Point a game almost in the AHL. And, you know, initially it looked like he was he was fighting it a bit. And it, it's almost unfair to even count the first few games in his totals. But after right, that... Because he hadn't he, played in a year. Yeah, after that he, he got really comfortable. You could tell in the... on To be honest, the little I've seen. But you could tell he is playing with purpose he is playing with confidence now and that's a pretty short turnaround and would you i mean would it shock you if he gets a little cup of coffee with the la kings at some point yeah oh, i i absolutely would expect nothing less like i anticipate the post um trade deadline once you know all the cards kind of shake out and we figure out who's here and who's not here tyler defoli um <laughs> It's it's only a matter of time. I really think. I mean, I know we were we were real careful how we talked about this last time we talked about him. We were, you know, real hesitant to even say that he was playing consistent hockey and whatnot. And there's always the possibility of a setback and everything like that. We're we're not ruling that out. But if this keeps up the way it's going, if if he's able to maintain health, I would absolutely anticipate that he's going to get called up by some point at the end of this year. But right now, Ontario is also right now, Ontario is also in this position where they've kind of been floundering up and down the standings. Yep. You know, we brought Luff up to kind of give him a little bit of a taste of, of NHL action. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk clearly is not part of the Kings <laughs> or at least not going to be part of the Kings any longer. So there's, there's going to be this like rotating position, I think on forward until we figure this all out. And I, I think it's only a matter of time until Gabe Velarde is that guy. If he had not come out and performed so well in his first eight games, by the way, he got an assist also tonight. So he is four goals, four assists in eight games, right on the money with, uh, to be a point of game player. Had he not, and it's still a, a small sample size, and he's still not playing every game for the rain. Right. But had he not come out and performed so well right off the bat and been such a difference maker, I would hesitate to say that he would definitely get a call up at some point this season. But if he continues this way, I don't. I don't think they have a choice. Yeah, you can't ignore it. You yeah, can't ignore it. And I understand his health is, of course, the most important thing, but. Give him a look. Give him a, yeah. you know, the games for the Kings are not going to really matter down the stretch. Yeah, I think it's, I think this is, this is a fun, even though the win loss record again may not reflect it, 
this is a fun season that is going, I think, the way that the Kings and their coaching staff and their um, management group have envisioned it going. You're seeing players grow. You're seeing even guys like uh, Prokorkin, who was not in the lineup tonight, I don't believe. But, like, even over the last month, you're starting to see some signs that this guy can potentially stick in the lineup. He's scoring goals. He's scoring big goals. He's playing the game the right way. Um, and I think it's, it's indicative of what they're trying to build. And I think it's indicative of what Todd McClellan, especially in the off season thoughts and things like this is, I think what he wanted to bring in. He wanted these guys to learn to play with one another, to learn the system well and figure things out. This is, this is all the year about figuring things out. And I think it's going exactly as planned. And if you watch every game and you enjoy that one game and you just, like you said, forget whether it's a win or a loss and you just try and appreciate the details of it, you will see that this is going as perfectly as the Kings could have hoped for. Yeah, and so in in the eight games he's played, going back to Velarde, he's already top ten in scoring. I can't for, get over him. We just can't. Yeah, get no, over sorry. This, this was the main thing I was excited about this season <laughs> to see if he's coming back and he's playing. But so in eight games, he's already in the top ten for scoring on the rain. Mm-hmm. He is the only player who's averaging a point a game. He has the same number of points as Rasmus Kupari in almost twenty less games. So. It's good. It's a good look right now for it that is. young man. So it is a good look. Hopefully he progresses. Hopefully we see him. And yeah, man, Prokorkin, you mentioned, I'm. He's starting to figure it out as well on on the North American side. He's starting to realize when he can use his skill. When is the right time to go to his skill? When is the right position to be in to go to your skill? Because your skill mm-hmm. can't take you end to end. Your skill doesn't come in the neutral zone. It comes mostly in the offensive zone. So it's nice to see him finger, uh, figuring it out. You mentioned Ilya Kovalchuk. I don't want to I harp did. on this too much because we've... Yeah, we've we've devoted enough time over the past few yeah, exactly. episodes. Yeah, exactly. If you probably. want to hear us talk about it, <laughs> go back and find it. <laughs> it's, it's not hard to find. Right. I'm sure you guys can figure it out. Uh, but news, I guess, breaking that they are moving forward with terminating his contract i don't know if it's official i guess it's not official till it's official but i just am very much looking forward to this being over uh reports suggest he wants to stay in the nhl but he has offers in the khl um just go be happy buddy i don't know what else to say you have nothing left to prove yeah Uh, i enjoyed his time here i really did i uh, we've been fans of him since we were kids essentially and to have him in a Kings uniform for a brief period of time, no matter how you look at that stretch and no matter how you remember it, for us it was pretty cool. And you know what? He didn't do too bad, contrary to what you might hear for odd reasons that I'll never understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Again, I, I still don't understand necessarily the full logic of terminating his contract as opposed to figuring something out with salary retention to get him onto another team. Like if you're looking to get rid of his con, I don't know. I don't fully understand it. I'm sure there's some logic behind it. Maybe it is as simple as they're near the, you know, the, the cap in terms of how many contracts they could have. And this is the best way they can think of, of ridding themselves of a contract. I don't know. 
But it certainly seems like once he hits, I think December 15th was the date that if he was still on the Kings, he was due a bonus this season. I anticipate that once that happens, then we'll finally get the official termination of his contract. And then we'll see. We'll yeah. see if he actually lands with another NHL team. Because I think I think if they terminate it, he's, he's basically back to free agent, consigned with anyone, anytime, and Correct. do you know, whatever. Correct. And December 15th is today. As you're listening to oh, the hey, show. So. There you go. There you go. No. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, happy trails to him, and I mean that. I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. Like, I agree with you. I, I wish it had worked out better because, again, despite the fact that he has been healthy scratched going on a month now, he's still practicing and traveling with this team, and clearly people like him enough for that. You know what I mean? Like, if you were a, if you were a person who was unliked, there, yeah. You would have no reason to like hop on a plane with the guys and go to Pittsburgh and watch them when you know there's no hope in you playing. You know what I mean? Like I think the guy genuinely likes being in the NHL, likes being in that atmosphere and is a competitor. And I'm just sad it hadn't worked out better. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, his uh, final stat line, I guess, will read with the LA Kings, 81 games played, 19 goals, 24 assists, 43 points. Tell me that's bad. Tell me that is <laughs> – that's that's one season. Okay, that's imagine he played 82 games and he scored 40 points. If I told you that Ilya Kovalchuk in one season was going to score 19 goals and 20-something assists and give you 43 points after having not played in the NHL for four years, you're telling me you'd be upset by that? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, he was a minus 36 in two yeah, years. But that's but he is a career minus 152. Exactly. So. And the Kings, the Kings as a whole are still minus. Yeah. So – our best defenseman is a minus eight right now. So w- whatever. Yeah. It's just one, another one of those guys in King's history that's come and gone in the twilight of his career, joining the ranks of like Steve Shutt, Vinny LeCavalier, um, Jerome McGinley more recently, Simone Gagne, just their final, Larry Robinson also his final two seasons with the LA Kings. Just, a cool kind of thing to know that this guy was a part of your franchise, but in the end, not the impact I guess you hope he he that joins he, he joins our uh, top ten under one hundred games list. I think in my mind, I believe you are correct, my friend. <laughs> I believe you are correct. He will probably bump someone off. For me, I think it's going to be Stu Grimson's going to fall off the list. <laughs> Oh, and Ilya Kovalchuk secures the 10th spot now <laughs> on that list. Go back and listen to that episode. That's a good one. List that's free a... or die miserable. That's right. That's Tremendous. right. Um, and since it's episode 50, I think as we go along, we might reminisce on some old good times we had, Vardy, <laughs> in the last 50 episodes. Yeah. Um, what were some of your favorite kind of discussions we had or if you look back and you could laugh at yourself or laugh at me directly <laughs> about the things we said i got a few things uh but i'll um, let you kind of think about it first yeah I, I think i've said this before and um and thankfully i don't know why and i don't know how but i'm appreciative and i'm thankful of it but somehow over the course of 50 episodes we have developed a small nugget of a following that has continued to grow and i'm sure you join me in being thankful of that. But, um, for those of us who 
for those of you who started listening to us a little bit later, it, obviously I wouldn't recommend going back and listening to a random episode from like 2017. It's not going to have much context when we're talking about Mike Camilleri or something like that being on the team. But um, the uh, the list episodes I think are some of some of the most fun I've had, and you can listen to those anytime, and I think they're still relevant. And they're still funny, and um, those are those are by far the most fun episodes I've had, and they've led to some really fun discussions. I think um, the one thing that we've kept talking about doing over and over again, but we just haven't because it requires some time to do research, is the uh, is a banner moments episode, yeah, where we just yeah. kind of recap like a particular moment in King's history or something when we do a bit of a deep dive. The one that we did was about the the Gretzky trade. Yeah. And I thought that was a real fun episode, not because obviously people have talked about backwards and forwards about the Gretzky trade, but I thought what happened was completely unplanned, but we did a, we ended up doing like a 10 minute deep dive into the career of Charlie Simmer, <laughs> which came out of nowhere. And I, I, I enjoyed that so much. Uh, and it was actually Jimmy Carson, Jimmy Carson. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Even better, better even, even better. better. Jimmy Carson. Even better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I thought that was, man, see stuff like that. I, those are my favorite things is when we, like, we don't really plan this for those, for anyone who's wondering, like, we don't really, we have a, a penciled in outline at best when we start these episodes, we have like three or four bullet points and we're like, okay, we're going to talk about this and see where that leads us kind of thing. And so sometimes like we'll have a bullet point that just evolves and goes tangential and then it turns into something better than we could have ever imagined. And those are the moments that I, I really enjoy. And hopefully the people who listen to it enjoy it as well, rather than getting pissed off at us and being, you know, <laughs> go back to talking about the game idiots. Yeah. I do love the list episodes. I do love the very few banner moment segments we've done. And yes, we've always talked about doing kind of a bonus standalone banner moments where we do a true deep dive into significant moments, events in King's history that aren't necessarily the greatest moments, that aren't necessarily the best things or the cheery things. Like we're, I don't think we're going to do a deep dive on, let's say, the 2012 cup run because yeah. we're just going to go DVDs about that. <laughs> exactly. We're not going to cover that. We're going to cover if we get around to it. And I really hope we do in 2020 because the stuff we've talked about is really sounds like a really good time. Yeah. Um, and, and quite frankly, without, I'm not trying to insult anyone, but no one that's associated with the Kings in any way, whether it be through journalism or whatever, would probably go into the topics <laughs> that we've discussed going into Sometimes dark, uh, yeah. but factual and and fascinating. So hopefully we'll 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 get to that this upcoming yeah, year. Th that's not that's not marketable stuff, right? Like that's not the stuff that's just gonna right. like fly off the shelves. But you know, screw it. If you got a if you got a podcast that you're paying for yourself to put on the airwaves and people are listening <laughs> to for free, you talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yes, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> Precisely, that <laughs> that's is right. he's talking about us <laughs> right there. Um, my some of my favorite things we've we've done. The, the, the times I've enjoyed listening back the most is when we get really, truly fired up and passionate <laughs> about something. Those are the ones I love going back and listening to. Um, one of my favorites is after Vegas eliminated the Kings from the playoffs in uh, 
two years ago 2018 yeah. the summer yeah. of 2018 and a couple of vegas people were kind of poking fun at the kings and having their way with the kings and i remember one writer i think it was gary lawless in particular said something along the lines of the la kings are just on borrowed time and i remember i was so fired up about that comment i i was i really leaned into the whole vegas media thing we both kind of leaned into them and like the losses are coming you know you have no you have nothing nothing going for you for you to kind of pick at a franchise who's been around for 50 years and you're right and all this stuff of course gary lawless was correct on that (laughs) turns out the kings were kind of on borrowed time and and they were kind of headed toward a rebuild and that's another thing we got really fired up about is that we were adamant that like this team as yeah, long as yeah the, you're not going to tear it down to the rivets. As long as and, the core pieces are there, like you're not going to do a, a full-blown rebuild. And I guess we're still right about that. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. But I remember we were really, really pissed off, really passionate. And, yeah, and the other one, of course, you pick and choose, man. There's a couple of Willie D episodes we did last season where <laughs> – the one with the the one where he gave that quote about how it's he's not utilizing Kovalchuk properly, and I read the quote on the show and I remember just <laughs> losing my mind that an NHL coach actually said those words. There's so there's that one Kovalchuk episode where we get really fired up about it too. Those really are the ones I, I've really enjoyed looking back on because no matter since we started this podcast, things have not been particularly great. Yeah. Yeah, we're, not, we're not here for the rosy seasons and it just sure. so happens you know that it kind of coincided with our existence and yeah it's just it, because God, we've been, i hope it's just a coincidence <laughs> i really hope it's for just everyone's a sake like we've been kind of calm cool and not too we've kind of shrugged our shoulders at a lot of this stuff yes we've been fired up a few times but that's why i love those episodes going back because we are just so genuinely upset with what's going on um so those are a couple of my favorites. I think the number jersey number game's been kind of cool. That I, is fun. I am a you know I'm kind of a not kind of I'm a self-professed hockey nerd. I consume as much hockey things as I can and have since I was a kid. So anytime there's like a trivia type thing, like I I love participating in it. And Vardy's been kind enough to humor me in that department. <laughs> Another totally organic thing. Like, that was never planned. It was never once did we discuss that, like, we should have this game where I make you guess the the players who have worn this number for the Kings. It came about completely randomly, and I feel like it's become one of our, like, signature things about this show. And granted, it's obviously the well's going to run dry at some point because <laughs> – yeah. You know, we're limited by uh, numbers, but damn it if we're not going to enjoy it while we're while we're doing it. It's fun. It's fun. It's nothing, you know, overly creative or we're not breaking new ground here, but it is a fun little game that we play. Episode titles that we've had over the years. We've had some fun ones. If yeah. you guys haven't noticed, and I'm sure you have because you are a sharp, sharp audience. We're big movie fans and uh, – all our episode titles are essentially movie title puns. Right. That's terrible puns terrible a lot puns, of times. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. For example, episode 40, Young Frankenstein was not one of our was not one of our better submissions. No, but that's okay. But I did like how we started it off with uh, episode one, 
the force of blakens i think that was a good start also episode one was great too man we had because that's the only one we've done where we're both in the room together <laughs> isn't that funny yeah and you know, everyone at this point probably knows vardy's in san diego and i'm in los angeles and yeah that's the only one we've done in the same room and it was a great episode i, th- I thought it was a trial run kind of thing but yeah. after that i think we realized we're not terrible at this and we could have fun with this and it's something we could do so yes and hopefully we've become less terrible at this i i think i, think I will never have. say we're good we are less terrible <laughs> let other people decide if we're that's good. right that's <laughs> right we're gauging ourselves on the less terrible meter uh eat crow per 60 one of the things that we come uh, up with that i love we're gonna have there's a series of if we ever get to the point where we're making swag like people are actually asking us for swag for whatever reason. I don't know. You run out of shirts and you desperately need a shirt. There's a few taglines or quotes that I think would be on our on our swag list. Let's, let's I think, think about them. Eat Crow Per 60 would be one of them. Yep. I think uh, fucking Slava would have to be one <laughs> of the other be, ones. Fucking Slava has to be one of them. <laughs> because, God, the butterfly effect of yeah. Slava Voinov has been – Un- unbelievable um personally i would nominate i'm having a good time yeah as one of them <laughs> which was one. the quote that i uh, uh for those who haven't listened back to the list episode another yeah. here's a trailer for you uh the one time i succeeded in meeting jason allison i was so flustered and starstruck <laughs> that i approached him and i said i'm having a good time yeah and he just looked at me <laughs> like i was an idiot much deserved so uh, oh. that would be one that I would nominate. I don't also, know. Maybe a t-shirt that says, how are you tonight, Vardy? <laughs> I, mean, that's, that's... <laughs> I don't know who uh, wear that, but uh, maybe your daughter. Maybe. <laughs> maybe a kid size one. Maybe my mom, my, my mom or my wife will. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Some of my favorite episode titles, The Force of Blakens, of course, Suicide Squid, I enjoyed very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and The List, Miserable trilogy it's just gonna keep evolving we're gonna try to love keep that going um as long as there's fast and furious movies coming and random action movies you know yeah we're gonna we're gonna find a way to make it the list and miserable we had a couple of good back-to-back ones gone in 0.9 seconds i enjoy very much right based on the tyler Toffoli goal against the bruins with 0.9 seconds left on the clock and then immediately after that we had how to lose a game in 10 minutes (laughs) the highs and lows baby that's what the kings are about drew got served is a a good one solid seeking a point of uh, for the end of the season is a good one the episode i'm referring to where i was upset at the Vegas Golden Knights is is titled Two Angry Men. So you can't you can't really miss that one. Uh, yeah, good so, times. So it really has been good times. We've uh gosh, how many coaches have we been through, Vardy? Stevens? Four. Four coaches in three years. Did we start with Sutter? We didn't. When we started, John Stevens, so when we started this podcast, the Lombardi and That's Sutter right. had just been had just hence released. the hence the force awakening. Correct. So Correct. Stevens, Willie D. Willie D. And now Todd McClellan. Three coaches. And and hopefully we don't have to see a fourth one for a while. That would be nice. But uh yeah. Judging by the NHL's coaching carousel, 
and some of the action that it's seen this season. I'm I'm very happy we have let's, the coach we have right now. Let's talk about this craziness. Should we dive? Okay, so we'll, we're we're going to stop waxing nostalgic here and go back into uh, into NHL things. Yeah, and this is kind of a the subject kind of hits close to home to me because I coach youth hockey. Again, this is youth hockey. I, I coach 13, 14 year olds. It's a whole different planet than what we're about to talk about. Uh, but in terms of treating, in terms of the responsibility and the respect you automatically get as a coach, whether you earn it or not, the way this game is, you automatically are given a couple of these things right off the bat. And the responsibility you have towards your players, no matter how old they are, doesn't really matter. Pros, amateurs, youth, whatever. This topic really is uh, is an important one for me. So mm-hmm. it's been... It's been wild, man. It's been a circus, and it all started with allegations by former NHLer Akeem Alou against his then-coach, Bill Peters, who was at the time the coach of the Calgary Flames. And it involved Peters using racial slurs, racially offensive language. On multiple occasions. On multiple occasions against Alou. And... It just kind of came out on Twitter. This was back in his AHL days, correct? To clarify, to clarify, yes, because at that time Bill Peters was not in the NHL, and Akimalu has not had a long pro career, unfortunately. So, it all came out on Twitter, and and the first kind of randomly too. It was just kind of like, you know, really what sparked it was the Maple Leafs letting go of Babcock finally, which in and of itself was. You know, maybe maybe that was a long time coming in some people's eyes. The Toronto media, you know, I don't even want to get into that viper's nest. But um, so they let him go, and then all this stuff kind of started coming out about how Babcock had handled Mitch Marner in his you know rookie season, I think. Yes. And had specifically, he'd made him write a list of the people on the team that he felt were the hardest workers and the, and the laziest workers Right. Uh, to what I, I don't know what specifically if you at uh, Babcock apparently said that he thought that was going to help him kind of define role models on the team that he, you know, could, could follow after or something. But then he proceeded to read that list out loud yes. in the locker room, Yes. which as you would imagine for a 19 year old Mitch Marner was highly embarrassing and so it kind of like that news coming out then led to a tweet from Akimalu basically saying, not surprising to me that you're hearing all this stuff about Babcock, all his, you know, assistant coaches and the people who've come from his tree of coaching, which by the way, Todd McClellan, a part of that tree of coaching, Correct. he was once an assistant to, to Babcock, but so far we haven't heard any, anything negative about McClellan, but basically saying that like, not surprising you're hearing about this stuff from Babcock, Bill Peters did this to me yeah. multiple times and then corroborated independently by other players that they had seen and witnessed Bill Peters, you know, using the n-word directed at alu or the music that alu was listening to and doing it on multiple occasions apparently yeah yeah and essentially what that did is lit a fuse 
that is still burning, <laughs> apparently, because since then it's been kind of a domino effect. People have come out against Mike Babcock, calling him a terrible human being, sharing stories about what he's done and pointing to him being an egomaniac and things like that to a point where a coach who two, three months ago was widely considered to be possibly the best coach in the NHL is now in jeopardy of never working in the NHL again. Yeah. That's how serious, that's how serious it's gotten. And from that, you got other things. You got, uh, uh, Mark Crawford, under fire patrick o'sullivan's been saying this for years this is nothing new that right. mike crawford uh, mark crawford kicked one of the la kings players while he was uh behind the la kings bench that he's also played mind games with players all kinds of stuff to the point where the blackhawks put him on a leave put mark crawford on a leave for the time being so he's not working at the moment and i think carcillo did carcillo speak up against sutter, sutter? yes against sutter Daniel Carcillo spoke up against Daryl Sutter, mentioned something he did to Matt Green in the locker room that was embarrassing, humiliating, something like that. Um, many players, many have come to the defense of Daryl Sutter. Uh, I don't know, obviously. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Would it surprise me if Daryl Sutter said something out of line? No, absolutely not. He's an old right. school guy. He's a, he's a tough coach. And all these, you know, and, and the tough coaches are the ones that are being singled out here. And I'm not surprised if you kind of go back in time and you think of the coaches, like, would it surprise you if, if a, say, Mike Keenan, something came out about Mike Keenan one day? And I'm not trying to bury Mike Keenan here, but you look at the tough coaches who are truly tough on their players, who push their players that extra mile, that extra, a little bit extra to get what they want out of them. It wouldn't surprise me uh, to hear some of those names come out. But because it's a Kings podcast, I'll get into Sutter more. Uh, Jamie McLennan came out and said Daryl, you know, he was a tough coach, but he never did anything that players thought were out of line. Dustin Penner was very vocal about that he didn't agree with Daniel Carcillo, that because of all this, it's just an opportunity to bury a good man in Daryl Sutter. Again, don't know, wouldn't be surprised. But it's been <laughs> it's been a fascinating kind of thing. And I think as a coach myself that will probably never be an NHL coach, I'm glad it's coming to light. I think it's important because I think if you're going to motivate a player through verbal assault or physical assault, then you're a shitty coach. Yeah. Straight up. That means you're not a good motivator. That means you can't get your point across verbally. You don't know how to talk to your players. You don't know how to properly get the most out of them without some kind of threat. And I don't see how that in any way is a sign of a good coach at all. It's just that simple. The best you know john wooden i don't think beat his players but john wooden's one of the greatest coaches who ever lived right and i i just don't think he had to kick someone in the back to get him motivated well you shouldn't have to right i mean yeah. if you're a good motivator if you're good at your job and you have and you've and i think this is you know it's a little bit of an evolution of of human beings in general over the last 50 years i would hope that you know, you're realizing that it's about communication and that's why you have, like, I can't imagine 50 years ago that they were having coaching forums and conferences and, and even like in business leadership, you know, like open conferences and things like that, that you attend to develop your leadership skills or to develop your coaching skills. I think people have realized that there's 
better ways and more constructive ways of doing things. And the key is whether you're a good manager, whether you're a good boss, or whether you're a good coach, is figuring out how to motivate each individual that's under your charge. Because not everyone is going to be motivated the exact same way. And you're going to be in charge of a team of 20 plus players. You can't necessarily use the same approach with every single person. But at the same time, there's a difference between being tough with one guy, being a little more gentle with the other guy, and then going completely off the board and being just abusive, just straight up abusive. Because I can't imagine there's anyone out there, there's any NHL player who's going to come out and be like, yeah, the only way that I could ever be a good player is if my coach beats me and calls me a piece of shit and throws racial remarks at me because that's what's get that's what gets me going, man. You know, like, yeah. come on. I'm, I'm sorry. Like there's no one, you can't convince me that there's someone out there who needs that to be a good player. Yeah. And you know, going through in the last several years, kind of going through the USA hockey program, uh, cause I am a coach, like seeing what they're doing. I think they, as an organization are making a lot of strides to make sure the next generation of coaches are properly trained. There's a safe sport program now put into make sure you understand what is the proper way to communicate with someone. All honestly, pretty common sense things, but it goes to show you all this crap that's come out goes to show you that common sense is not gifted to everybody. You can't just assume that everyone has common sense. It may be common sense to me and and the the other guys in the room in those particular sessions but it is not common sense to everybody so usa hockey is doing a lot of things i'm sure hockey canada is doing a lot of things now Um, nhl is i mean it sounds like they're you know some would argue a little late to the party but whatever the case may be and and the thing with hockey is hockey is different in that it's historically been like this tough guy sport the sport where you, you you're expected to have thick skin you're you're expected to take shit you're expected to you know get rained on by your coach more than i would say other sports to my knowledge i'm maybe a, you know football too. football's pretty bad football's pretty bad too yeah i was gonna say high school football starting from there is pretty bad but it's time to evolve and, and that's that's the thing I, that i'm taking away from this is like it's it should have been in place a long time ago but hopefully the younger coaches that are coming up will adhere to these very common basic codes of conduct for someone who's supposed to be an inspirational figure, a role model, and a teacher, first and foremost, to to these players. Yeah, and, and you know, you're always going to have some people out there who are going to remark that, like, uh, this is kind of going hand in hand with the with the pussification of the game if you will or whatever they want to call it but like come on you know this is again i i there's there's a difference between being a a hard ass a tough coach a motivator of men you know someone who doesn't take shit and just being straight up abusive and you know i would i would hope that racial slurs slurs and now i would i would like to think at least within the last 10 15 years that like derogatory like sexuality remarks and things like that are completely out of the game or come coming close to being completely out of the game because it's just like you have to grow up this has nothing to do with 
making the game softer. It has nothing to do with making individuals softer or kitty gloves or you can't even say anything anymore to anyone without them getting offended. That's not what it's about. Like if you are incapable of doing your job without being able to throw N-words and, you know, homosexual remarks yeah, at people punches, and things like that. Yeah, like, like, come on. Then you're not good at your job. That doesn't make you a good exactly. coach. That makes you a shitty human being. I don't know what else to tell you. Absolutely agreed. So it's interesting to see how far this will go. It's not over. I promise you that. More no. more people will will come forward and, and share their stories about what they've experienced. And those coaches are still in the NHL no matter what. They're not going to... You know, you want to do a deep dive on every coach? Good luck. It's going to take a long time. So it's going to go as the stories come out. And from what I've seen, for the most part, there's no end in sight to this thing. And then there's the weird (laughs) coaching. That's right. There's the good, the bad, and and the weird. Which is the Jim Montgomery Dallas Stars situation. He was relieved of his duties after... Essentially being a pretty good coach for the Dallas Stars. They started slow this year. They turned around. They were having a pretty good season. Nothing but good things about this guy since he was hired. And he was a college coach. He was yeah. University of Denver, I believe. Yeah, before. I guess. Is he considered one of the new age, new wave coaches? Sure. Great. Well, he got he got fired for reasons that no one knows. Except that the Dallas Stars made a statement that it was conduct that they deemed unprofessional and essentially not in the spirit of what the Dallas Stars organization stands for and what they're trying to do. No one knows right now what it is, which <laughs> makes you think, what could it be? And the crazy thing is they they came out and said it has nothing to do with all this other stuff that's going yeah. on with the you know physical and verbal abuse and the mistreatment of players. It's nothing like that. So it's like, okay, <laughs> so what the hell is it? And I don't know if it's going to come out. I don't know if we'll ever know, but it is possibly the strangest coaching uh, uh, firing that I've ever kind of seen since I've been a fan of the game. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I tried to speculate a little bit on Twitter as to what it could be because what they did say of what little they did say was it doesn't involve any current or former Dallas star player or employee. And it doesn't involve anything involving some of the more recent issues with coaches, but it's a serious enough offense. And it was something that came to light recently and it left the stars management with no choice. So it had to be something so absolutely overt and out there that and yet somehow has not leaked, which right. is very impressive in this day and age. So I don't know if it involves him individually or some other people who somehow are completely devoid of access to the press and things like things of that nature. Because, you know, typically stories like this, you've got BuzzFeed and, and TMZ, <laughs> they find ways to get this, these stories out. And now we're going on, I think, two weeks and nothing has come out. So... It's very impressive that they've been able to keep it hush-hush as as they have. But to me, the amount of silence that they've they've attributed to the story, it it leads me to wonder if it's something, you know, related to either drug charges or serious gambling issues or 
or, you know, prostitution, something, I mean, something like that, that like, you're just like, there's absolutely no way we can, we can sugarcoat make it, this. Or make it public. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can't make this public. There's potential criminal, although then again, I heard something that there wasn't any criminal investigation, which left me even more confused. So I don't know. My first, after reading all this, my first thing was that he was betting on hockey. That's a total guess. But with all the criteria that was laid out, right. that there's no criminal charge. It has nothing to do with players. It has no, no, no. Right. Like my first thought and was And it's like, not like a personal health issue because they wouldn't right. fire him for that. My first thought was like, this guy, this guy got caught betting on hockey or, you know, something along those lines. Because if there's no criminal investigation, that eliminates so many things. If there's no criminal aspect to it, you know, that shrinks your list rather quickly. Yeah. And yeah. I, of course, I could be wrong. I probably am. And I don't know if we'll ever find out. But it's just the strangest thing, man. It is the strangest, strangest firing in a long time, if not ever. And and I should I, – I mean I guess we should like – a through line of this is that I hope everything's OK. Sure. I hope course. it's not like something – I don't know. But like all the things I could think of that I would be like, oh, man, I hope he's fine. I, you know, yes, gambling is an addiction to a lot of people. Drugs and alcohol are definitely addiction to a lot of people. But like, if it's a drug or alcohol issue, I look at what they what they did with like Evgeny Kuznetsov, where it was like we're gonna we're gonna you know get him help, and we're gonna you know right, like there was a right. lot more support around something like that. So to me, I'm like, I I can't for the life of me figure out what you could have done that that is not in any of these boxes, but still somehow was like hard and fast you're done buddy kind of situation yeah. i don't understand yeah. i don't get it very strange very yeah. very strange um a couple of coaches coaches a couple of coaches were let go because of their team sucks reasons as well <laughs> yes <laughs> that's pete DeBoer, uh gone from san jose near and dear to our hearts not sure if john hines we ever covered that in our last one because his <laughs> there was a, i think I, I think i thought he was fired yeah yeah because the they were one? so bad yeah <laughs> Uh, but I think officially, I'm still not completely sure. <laughs> is he fired? <laughs> he's just—he's like Milton from Office Space. He's still just showing up and <laughs> asking for yeah. his stapler. No, but he—he he was fired uh, by the Devils, I believe, in the beginning of December. I want to, yes, December third. So still fairly recent, given how terrible that team is. Yeah, and it's probably going to be a lottery team again. Which is infuriating to me. But hey, you know what, man? It sounds like they are—they're uh, about to jettison their lottery good luck charm. Yeah, and we should. Taylor we Hall. should talk about that. Uh, Taylor Hall. I'm not sure on the de- did he ask for a trade? Did no. he? Okay, so this is a no. this is a devil's decision because yes. this is their 15th rebuild. <laughs> yes, and they're going to let go a former Hart Trophy winner. Gotcha. Yeah. The logic I don't quite understand. Um, you would have to ask Ray Shiro for that one. I think but his contract – well, didn't he well, he's sign? Gonna a, uh, no, no, no. He, I think he's – I believe he's a UFA at, at the end of the season, which is why all this talk kind of came up in the first place. Right. So, yes, that makes but sense. But it's kind of crazy to me because they were gifted Taylor Hall. They were literally handed Taylor Hall, let's be honest, for nothing. Okay? I don't care how much you like Adam Larson – I don't care if you're Adam Larson's mom. 
your son is not as good as Taylor Hall. Sorry, Mrs. And Larson. Sorry. I don't know how to say sorry in Swedish. I'm sure someone will, will text me. But I hear the Swedes are quite good in English, so she understands that I'm sorry. But Taylor Hall should never have been traded one for one for Adam Larson. And yes. here we are where despite this, the New Jersey Devils, who have no one on their roster right now who really is – you know, taking up, a, I mean, I guess PK Subban, but let me see how much cap it. Okay. They have 4 million, close to 4 million in cap space. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they've got Travis Ajax going to be UFA in a couple seasons. Wayne Simmons is going to be UFA at the end of the season. So I guess what I'm getting at is there's no one here that like, oh man, we got to make room to resign imminently such and such person. And it's going to break our bank. So Correct. why are you all of a sudden looking at moving the best player that you have unless of course unless he has privately told them that he has no interest in resigning with them which changes everything right i think that's i think that's possible and i think maybe the devils after landing jack hughes having pavel zaka having now gusev on their in their lineup having nico hesher of course maybe they're like we need to just this is our this is our core moving forward and we, this is the direction we're going and maybe they said that to Taylor Hall and Taylor Hall said cool trade me if that's the case because Wayne Simmons is a UFA cuz he had a one year deal mm-hmm. <clears throat> Taylor Hall is a UFA he's going to get traded but that leaves <laughs> PK Sammy Vatnin's a UFA, UFA Andy, Andy Green. Green's probably gone he's 37 right so that leaves PK in kind of a pickle there because he's Essentially, going to be the only veteran left on the and team. He's not having a great season either. He's not having a great season. Not a, there's no goaltending. There's zero goaltending. Yeah. So you're looking at probably either the Devils realizing that we're not going anywhere anytime soon, and let's maximize and trade this guy for young pieces, truly valuable futures. Or they explained that to Taylor. They said, "Hey, we want to keep you," and he's, "But we want to let you know." And he said. I would appreciate it if you got me the hell out of here. One and that makes sense. Both make sense to me. Yeah, and they that makes sense. sense. And if that's the case, then kudos to them for being able to keep that trade request under wraps because, as we know, historically that diminishes the value of a player because, you know, the, the team that, you, that would be trading for him knows that you, he's got you over a barrel, that kind of thing. Um, but the surprises of all surprises, it seems like Arizona – has emerged as a front runner for Taylor Hall. And they're having a, a, again, in my opinion, a surprisingly good season. Rick Tockett has snake charmed these boys and is getting good production out of them. He's always had a good relationship with Phil Kessel, but really their goaltending between Darcy Kemper and uh, Antti Ranta has been outstanding. Um, And so there's some speculation that one of the pieces that could be going back to New Jersey in this would be one of those two goaltenders. Right. Um, not that that would be the centerpiece of the trade by any means, but again, they, we, we gave them Darcy Kemper for not a lot. He was playing well, but we certainly didn't expect him to be like, honestly, Vesna caliber. And there's been talk of him being a Vesna caliber goaltender this season. And they got anti Ranta, I think with Derek Stepan from New York. So they yes. gave up a couple of things there, but they're in a position now where they've got two one, a one B goaltenders and, I don't think anyone's fooling themselves into thinking that like 
either one of them is is a cornerstone goaltender that New Jersey definitely needs for Taylor Hall. But I think that's a pretty decent piece to throw in there, plus a couple firsts or high-level prospects, things of that nature to kind of fill in that package. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the direction that they're going, I guess. Yeah, and Arizona's first in the Pacific right now. Right. It's not like they're they jumped out to a huge lead on everybody, but they are first. They and Taylor Hall will definitely help. Taylor Hall will help. Yeah, and it seems like this is the season where Arizona is going to make the playoffs finally. And you add Taylor Hall to Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller, and a couple of the forwards they have. It's a good looking squad, man. It, it they could surprise people. They have they have a good mix. They have a good mix. So Taylor Hall going there obviously would be a huge benefit to them. The other team that's been talked about is Colorado. Right. I've heard a lot about them and Colorado currently is second in the central and they're within striking distance of uh, first in the West. So they've been playing tremendous hockey, man, given what they had to deal with. It is absolutely insane. They're 21, eight and three and they have a plus 31 goal differential, which is tops in the West and, Sorry, tops in the NHL. Best goal differential in the National Hockey League. Better than Washington? Yes. Really? Washington is plus 28 currently, and uh, Colorado is plus 31. Wow. Yeah. So, Nathan McKinnon, Landeskog, Ranton, and you throw Taylor Hall in there. Well, Landeskog and Ranton haven't been playing. They, uh, this is, this I believe Landeskog's back. Landeskog's Okay, so <clears throat> Ranton is still out, but a lot of this is still Nathan McKinnon. You want to oh, talk yeah. like another MVP caliper season, like this stuff like this will do it for you. Yeah, he's been <laughs> he's been amazing. There's a couple of goals he scored this season that are just absolutely bonkers. Just the skill level this guy has. And remember he had he's had this weird kind of career McKinnon has where he's had a really strong season then he has a drop off then mm-hmm. he has this another amazing season and I believe he has a dip and I believe we call that the Ajay <clears throat> Kopitar trajectory that is correct which is not a best trajectory at all by the way no you could do worse much uh, worse his point totals have gone 63 38 52 53 97 99 so he's had so he's consistent now 97 99 he's headed for another He's probably headed for a 100-point season this season. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, he's effectively made himself into a top-five NHL player in the last three seasons. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, so he's he's a he's a top dog now. Man, you add Taylor Hall to that lineup, that offense is terrifying. Yeah, and I think the big question from Arizona's standpoint, and I don't know what type of reassurances they have for this, is but, you know, you're 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 there. Certainly, it seems like you're you're in playoff contention consistently. Um, but if you give up the farm to bring in a Taylor Hall, is he going to resign with you, or are you just in the same position as New Jersey was with him, where he'll play through the season, but he's got his eyes on going somewhere else? Like if his eyes are on playing for a team that's going to help him win the cup, you know, <laughs> and if he's got any any choice in the matter. I'm sure he would much rather prefer to go to Colorado. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. And I joked about this weeks ago on Twitter, and I'm hoping people understand why the Los Angeles Kings are nowhere near involved in this trade. Oh, yeah, trade. they're not getting <laughs> – come on. 
I'm just I'm just saying everyone no, I, I likes to sit there and be it. like there's they have cap space, they've got prospects, we can't play all these prospects. It's like no. <laughs> just no. Right, because if we acquire if the Kings acquire Taylor Hall this season, a pending free agent, he's gonna be dying to re sign with a team right. that looks like they're they're gonna be a lottery pick again. Pro- probably one more bad ish season. Probably one more. At least. That's fair. That's fair. At least, right? I mean, I don't think I think next year I think year, they'll be closer. Oh yeah, yeah. They have to look, if they're not better next year, we have a problem. Yeah. They have to be better next year. It's yeah. just new, this is, the this coaching is the, thing. This is the mulligan season. This is, <laughs> yeah, for the third straight season. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the mulligan, guys. Um <laughs> with with McClellan now, you know, putting his fingerprints all over the way the team plays. There's next season they have to be I don't know, I don't want to say drastically better, but they have to be better. Maybe like miss the playoffs by ten or fifteen points this time instead of like Well I mean fifteen I don't know, fifteen under ten points. Under ten points under is what we're going points. for. Because right yes. now they're if you consider the well, threshold to missing right the playoffs only, is like ninety four points out. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I if, the, if the threshold's it. like ninety four to miss it by 15 points gives them a 79-point season, and that's atrocious. Right, right. Currently, I think they have they're to have, the worst team in the West. Yeah. And I think next season they have to have 85 <clears throat> points minimum, in my opinion. That's what I would say. 85 yeah. points would be the threshold next season to be considered a success. There you go. Write Book it down. It, Dano. It's here. Write it down. So, yeah, he's not coming to the Kings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and don't expect the Kings to go out and get any veteran or UFA-type Oh, yeah, no, no. It's, it is a liquidation sale coming up, if anything. Is it? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think we've <laughs> agreed that Tyler Toffoli is going to be the one to go. You think they'll keep Carter at this point? I don't know, man. I really don't know anymore. <laughs> there was a point where it was like, you know, Everything half off by like, coming in is the fire sale. And then we go to like, well, no, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep almost everybody except Jake Muzzin. Like we're keeping everyone except Muzzin. So. And I, I still think that the the book on Jonathan Quick remains until the summertime. Because any team that would that could use an NHL goaltender that they're not playoff teams, you know what I mean? Like these aren't the teams yeah, that are going that. into the playoffs. Like that, that the whole. I think the Jonathan Quick decision gets put off until the summer. Maybe the Jeff Carter one as well. I think the Tyler Toffoli one we can we can say is is going to get handled in February. And the Alec Martinez one yeah. is is an interesting one. Well, he's the injuries. Exactly. Exactly. Several reports that teams have been sniffing around him, namely the Montreal Canadiens. Right. I read from Elliot Friedman that we're really keen on taking a good long look at him, but then he got injured and that kind of derails things. But Trevor Lewis is Trevor another Lewis one of these guy guys that like you would love to have. You know. Yeah. So. So I, I, I think at least two players will be moved from the Kings. By the trade deadline, at least two, and then by the summer, potentially two more. Okay. That's okay. that's what I put my numbers on. I can live with that. It's yeah. it's going to be interesting to see who what the team is made up of next year because should these things come to fruition, you're going to have 
the youngest team in the NHL, I think. Easily. Without a doubt. I can't think yeah. of a younger team. Maybe Detroit? They have some vets kicking around, though. I can't really think of a I mean, truly <laughs> young, young team. But it's going to have to happen at some point. It's going to have to happen at some point, right? Like if Gabe Velarde plays point a game through the rest of this year in Ontario, how are you going to legitimately keep him out of the lineup next year? Can't do it. You can't do it. If he progresses properly and his health and everything, you, right. you can't do it. Got to put him in the NHL. He was penciled in to be on the Kings roster this right. year, like far and away, going away. He was going to be starting. So. Right. So interesting times, as always. It's going to be I fun. Think we, yeah, we touch on this almost every time because really this is all about the future and it's nice to see these these wheels turning, I think. But uh, yeah, it's good times. Good times. Good times indeed and it's been – Great times, 50 times for the Bannerman. Vardy, it's episode 50. I don't even know <laughs> how <It's laughs> this is not going to be good. A bit anticlimactic <laughs> okay. because we've come all this way and we've talked about, you know, we've laughed, we've cried, <laughs> we've yelled at Vegas reporters. And here we are at episode 15. There's only two players. Oh, man. This this honestly might be the least amount of players we've come across thus far. There's only two players that have worn the number 50, which oh. is surprising to me. Really? It, I'll tell you why. Two sounds right to me. No, no, no. It's surprising to me because we've had so many other crappy numbers that have had like seven guys have worn the number 45. You know, seven guys have worn the number 39. Really random to me. And 50 at least is kind of like a whole number. You know, maybe you had a goalie here or there, that kind of Man, thing. I don't know. I don't know. Jeez. I, don't, anyway. I can't think of one number 50 in King's history. Really? Okay. So you're going to well, – this is going to be a – It's going to be a feeder episode, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, the good news is they're relatively uh, newish. Okay. Being in that um, – they were – they're right in your wheelhouse too. Great. 1992 and 1994. Man, okay. Yeah. Do you recognize the names? Uh, <laughs> negative. It, okay, see, bad start. It's it, neither of these guys really were, uh, you know, relevant, I would say, in the history of the Kings. Very few games played for either of them. I'm not going to get this, but. <laughs> so one of them played 91-92 uh, and then played again with the Rangers in 94-95. Not a lot of games. Not a goalie? Not a goalie. Neither of them were goaltenders, which, is, again, that's odd to me. Because well, I would think a, that. It's the Chris Mason. Yeah. Jordan Bennington. <laughs> right. I guess you have, have to have played in St. Louis. Yeah. Exclusively. <laughs> that's the key. Was Theodore was 60. 60. Yeah. That's right. LX, not XL That's on the right. mask. That's right. Sick mask. Sick mask. Beautiful mask. By the way. Google it. All BT of them. dubs. That was another mask, by the way. We've talked. That was another thing that I love when we talk about sometimes is uh, is goalie masks and, and stuff like that. And swag. We talk, yeah. And swag. Yeah. And uh, I remember we talked about like goalies that have kept the same mask design from team to team. Right. Theodore did it going from Montreal to Minnesota. And yes. he had well, he briefly had, in 
he had stops in between and he still kept it. He kept yeah. it in Colorado. So nice. Yeah. With the uh with the twin gargoyles. Yeah. Ugh. Beautiful. Beautiful. Sick lid. Maybe our Sick next lid. list should be our favorite goalie mess of all time. Ooh. Oh boy. That That's might a, be that might be a fun one, huh? You're gonna have me dig up my mask collection, huh? Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe anyway, let's get back to this. Okay, so this what, game we're, that, so that two guys, absolutely lose. two two guys have uh, have worn this. Is one of their names Barry? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's as good a guess as any, but no. Oh man, that's all I get. Literally, all I got. Nothing all you right. say is going to help me. Okay, well, in that case, I'm not going to drag this out. It's not going to be fun for anyone, especially me. No. Um, so 1992 for four games was worn by Sean McCosh. Cool. Uh, four I games. I literally never heard that name. Yeah. Before. Four games, <laughs> four PIMs and two shots. Two shots. Nice. Two shots. Getting, uh, getting in on the offensive. Well, action. you know what though? I will give him props. When he came back in 94, 95, he played five games with the Great. Rangers, had two shots as well, but got his... One and only NHL point, which was a goal. He, you best, he has that puck. He has. That happened. He is an NHL goal scorer, Sean McCosh. <laughs> NHL goal scorer. That's a new one. All right, cool. <laughs> Tell me if you were this guy, you wouldn't have that puck on your mantle. Well, considering it's my only pro accomplishment. Well, no, I shouldn't say pro. NHL you would have two jerseys yes. hung up. Your With Kings the- jersey, your your you know your Rangers jersey, and then you'd have a small picture of you and your family, hopefully, and then right next to it, the puck. Yeah, I'd that, have, that's so your mantle. So I would have the score sheet, the puck. Oh, good call. I good would have, call. I would like to have a, photo a picture of you with the puck. <laughs> the photo of me celebrating the goal, I think, is very important. Uh, possibly a ticket stub from that game. Maybe the stick. Maybe you the scored stick. It I'll with? say the skates. Yeah. Yeah, if I was this, what's his name? Sean McCosh. Sean McCosh. If I was Sean McCosh, Oshkosh I would have Sean McCosh. I would have I think a is whole room them. devoted to my one and only NHL goal, just full of memorabilia. Yeah, Why and not? your friends would hate coming over because every time you'd be like, "Did I ever tell you guys a story about how I scored my one <laughs> NHL goal?" You'd be like, "God damn it, Sean! Can we can we just watch Inception?" Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next guy, please. I've never been to Sean McCosh's house. <laughs> if this is not what Sean McCosh's house looks like, I'm I'm slightly disappointed. Yeah. Um, the next gentleman, um, also very nondescript. Hold on, I actually ended up closing. I closed the page. It was so nondescript. Um, but it was Bob J. <laughs> <laughs> you love a guy with two first names. <laughs> so <sorry>, it's just. <laughs> Uh, it's Tom Ace. <laughs> That's what it reminds me. Bob J. All right, Bob J. What do you do? Bob J. Bob J. In 1994, played at the ripe old age of 28 years old. Uh, played three games with the Kings in 93, 94. Uh, also managed to get one NHL point. So NHL. NHL point <laughs> scorer Bob J with a singular assist, and that is the oh only NHL God. team he's ever played for. I certainly hope Bob J's mantle also looks very similar to. <laughs> now, to, what would suck is if he assisted on a milestone goal, or a oh if he assisted on a first NHL that's goal, a good point. he gets nothing. 
That's a good point. He does not have the macaw shroom, unfortunately. Yeah, goals goals definitely count higher than assists, unless uh, it's yeah. like, unless you know you're like Wayne and you got the assist was your point or you know like a point scoring record or something like that. Sure. <sighs> that's interesting, but that's it, man. It was uh, Sean McCosh and Bob J. Those are the number fifties in the history of the LA Kings. Wow. Well. <laughs> Ended on a bit of a letdown. Final episode sorry. of 2019, probably. Well, actually, I take that back. We might squeeze one in. We'll we see. We might squeeze one. We'll we see. Might. We'll but, see. But definitely, our 50th episode ends with a bit of a whimper <laughs> because of this game. Um, but since it is 50 and it is a minor kind of milestone for us, around the same time, we got 200 followers on Twitter. That's right. On fire. As you can see, these aren't impressive numbers, guys, but. They mean a lot to us. We're not we're not impressed by a million followers or five thousand followers or I mean don't get me wrong, if I wake up tomorrow and we have a million followers, I'll have to look into what the hell happened. Sure. And probably we won't be texting each other angrily (laughs) more than anything. Uh but guys, since we started the show, I'm proud to say that our listenership has quadrupled in size. That is a legitimate stat from episode one all the way to episode 50 we've gone four times the listeners um not sure how this all happened but we appreciate it you guys are truly truly outstanding for sticking with us we're not always the best but we do love this stuff that's for sure and if you guys keep coming back that means we're doing something right so we really appreciate it from honestly from the bottom of our hearts Uh, We will continue to do this as long as it's possible, as long as you guys are listening to us, as long as we have people who are interested to listen to our crazy, crazy hockey takes. We'll be here for you. And hopefully to 50 more and then 50 more. And then you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. And hopefully to better Kings things to talk about. Like we're, you know, again, these are not been great seasons, but. You gotta, you gotta be there for the bad to really appreciate the good. I think so. Here's to that. And that is a perfect sentence to end this episode on because it encapsulates the life of an LA Kings fan and the history of our beloved, beloved Los Angeles Kings. This has been episode 50, guys. Thank you for joining us for the ride. We'll be back before you know it with 51. You've been listening to the Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast. 